It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Dairy Brothers Guardians cast. Your best podcast spot for all things Cleveland Guardians baseball. Presented by WaitingForNextYear.com. Follow Matt on Twitter at Dairy Speaks and Todd at TD Guardians KU. The Dairy Brothers Guardians cast is on the air. Oh, yeah, we're breaking out the brooms, baby. Guardians baseball and the Dairy Brothers uh, Guardians cast. It doesn't get any better than a sweep in Minnesota. Matt and Todd with you on a Monday edition of the podcast right here on the Evergreen Podcast Network, waitingfornextyear.com. Center for Advanced Dentistry, uh, Ben Hornstein. What about breaking tea? That's right. Zach Meisel ordered a bunch of T-shirts over the weekend. I know that. But here we are. The uh, Guardians take care of business in Minnesota. The lead is two and a half over the White Sox in the division, four and a half over the Twins. A 4-1 win yesterday. They're, they're always they're never easy, Todd. Every game's just a, a gut wrench. But hey, we'll take a sweep and a five and one road trip. That was some serious TCB right there, baby. Like Cosmo Kramer once said, taking care of business. Oh, that's right. That was that was uh that was something, huh? And and the crazy part about it is they had one loss, and really that one loss was two to one. Class A blew his first save uh, since May seventh, I believe. And uh, so, and, and again, the offense isn't great still. There's a lot to you know be concerned about still. But you look up, and here we are, extending that lead. You borderline. I'm not going to say you buried the twins. Because what are they? They're three and a half back, right? Four and, and, three and a half. Back. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half back. They're not totally buried because they still we still have the five games with them coming up uh, over the weekend and into next week. But uh, what about the Pistons' five-game sweep? Sorry, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But okay. But, but in the mean, but in the meantime, to to bounce back and go five and one on the road trip after that horrific two and eight stretch against the Mariners and the Orioles was exactly what this team needed. And, you know, the, the fact that they were playing the team, one of the two teams that were chasing them, and they were able to sweep them in their home ballpark was pretty effing good, I will say that. No, And, and look, Minnesota's got 17 players on the disabled list or injured list. I mean, it's true. It's 17. So it's not like we're just saying get making up a number. They're very banged up. Uh, players too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. when Byron Buxton's Buxton. out and Jorge Polanco, who destroys this, is out. I mean, those are two yeah. big bats in their lineup. But you still have to play the games. You're on the road. Uh, Friday's game. It was a big crowd. Uh, you know, they go up seven nothing. Every game in this series, we actually came out and scored early. The Guardians will play from in front. It was every <laughs> <laughs> was every game, and it's like. After Kansas City and even the Seattle series to an extent where we're down in most of these games and can't score, can't score. I mean, the Royals series, even though they they put up, what, uh, 12 runs, it was still excruciating sometimes with the runners left in scoring position. But to hop out in front and then to hang on, the starting pitching, Quantrill, Tristan, and Bieber, I think their ERAs were .98, the three of them combined in this series. 
that's huge. It's still about run prevention. And now, you know, you get the Angels for some from games this week. You're not sure who's who's really going to pitch. It sounds like Pilkington and Morris the first two games. So you're going to need that pen again. And uh, but hey, the starting pitchers were great, and that's the difference right now between the Guardians and the Twins is the starting pitching the bullpen. And the White Sox are right there to only two and a half back, and we still have four games with them. Well, you know, in, in, in talking about the starting pitching, we talked about this last week, which was would they, with that Thursday day off, take the opportunity to use their top three starting pitchers in a row against the Twins? And smartly, they did. All three of them, uh, you know, Cal, Cal only ended up going five innings, and he wasn't his best. Um, and that game was a match that went from seven, like you said, seven nothing to seven six, uh, thanks to uh, low leverage Shaw. And then you had to use Class A and burn him in that game. And uh, uh, and then obviously Tristan McKenzie was terrific again uh, on Saturday. And Shane Bieber was he did what an ace needs to do. He did what aces do, as Rod Allen used to say. <laughs> this is what aces do. That's right, uh, and 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 he gave us exactly what they needed yesterday or uh, Sunday, and he got that sweep, which was great. And obviously, now you're looking at Pilkington Morris lined up next to each other. I don't know how they're going to, uh, you know, are they going to do some piggybacking? You know, McCarty's still here, uh, Eli Morgan and Brian Shaw are your junk pitchers at this point. They'll probably get some early innings because. The bullpen has been heavily leaned on um, as of late. I, I uh, you know, as good as the top three starting pitchers are, the, it's even with Savali and, and Plesac, you just really weren't getting, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get from 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 start to start by those two. But now you really don't know. Uh, you know, Morris had only been throwing. Uh, I, I think they were capping him at sixty-five pitches the first two starts. Maybe he'll be uh, extended a little bit more. But still, Cody Morris isn't going to pitch more than at, at maximum probably five, right? On on Tuesday, I would imagine. Yeah, no, no. So, so, so you're going to need the you know the bullpen, but you know you also got to look up and say to yourself, okay, now we have Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday against the Twins, five and four days, and Pilkington and Morris are going to have to start two of those five games, and it'll probably be Xavier Curry coming up to pitch a third. So you're this week these uh, is going to be very key in figuring out how to uh, move these pieces around and and you know no one does it better than Tito in that on that front. No, and the team hasn't even. We'll go through the pitching matchups in a second. They haven't really even announced a starter for Wednesday because maybe they want to keep Quantrill against Chicago, McKenzie against Minnesota, and not waste Cal against uh, the Angels on Wednesday. But remember the last time uh, the Guardians played the Angels in like in April. Uh, we got swept in a four-game series out there and lost to these all these left-handed pitchers who are all pitching this week. So, you know, how do you do it? How do you line it up? You, you always have faith in Tito. Big article, by the way, in The Athletic about Tito's future. And, boy, it sure, sure sounds to me like, and that was a Ken Rosenthal, Zach Meisel special, uh, sure sounds to me like next year is it for him. You know, we want him back. He wants to come back. But now he's kind of talking about he's 63, 63. 64. His health isn't good. He's having another surgery this summer or this winter. Sure sounds like a yeah. uh, sure sounds like a goodbye tour next summer. I, I 
think so too. And you know what? <clears throat> He's 63 years old, but he seems like an old 63. He's been managing for 20 something years at this point. Uh, he's been here for 10 years, the longest tenured manager in the American League. Is he the longest tenured manager in all of baseball right now? I know he definitely is in the American League. Uh, I think he might be the longest tenured manager. In more than Bob. What about Bob Melvin? Bob Melvin's not there anymore. He's at the Giants or something. No, I know. Right? But oh, longest tenured meaning with one team or longest tenured meaning? No, with one with one team. Oh, yeah. No, with, with one team. Yeah, yeah he's the yeah. longest tenured manager. And he wasn't going to manage here forever. Um, and so... You know, you look up and you say to yourself, all right, what's the future? What's the plan? We got to start thinking about, you know, and, and, and I, I like the fact that Tito's kind of hinting around. And obviously, you know, Antonetti said all the right things. He can manage here as long as he wants, as long as he's healthy enough to do so. But you see him waddling around every time he goes to the to the mound. I mean, that doesn't look like someone who's, you know, traveling 200 days a year is a good thing for, you know? Um, so I, I think they, it's very interesting because, and, and it's kind of stupid to have this speculatory conversation or speculative conversation now about who would be, you know, a replacement for him. But I think Tito is in a complete and this front office together, Chernoff and Antonetti, Chernanetti, as you like to call him. That's right. It's a unique situation. You don't find a manager, and front office, you know, general manager and team president who are in lockstep the way they are. Those three are together. They really are. They've worked together for a decade. Um, the, obviously, Tito continues on because he loves the working relationship here and the ownership, too. He said it many times. Yeah. So, to you know, now in baseball, there are so many – you and I and, and the executive producer talked about this on the, on the text – so many of these managers now are just robots, and the general managers calling all the shots. Oh yeah, look at look what Joe, have you have you been listening to Joe Madden, who's been doing like radio interviews? He was so miserable managing the Angels. He doesn't even watch baseball right now because he he's been saying these nerds. It's not what he's he's. I'm paraphrasing. These nerds upstairs are running stuff, and so he doesn't even know if he's going to manage again because is he going to be allowed to be a baseball manager, or like you said, just a robot? And it sounds like his experience with the Angels was brutal. You got some other teams that are running the same same racket, where these guys upstairs are you know, sneaking down into the tunnel, or what are we doing here? And it's like, wait, wait, what? And that doesn't. I don't think that occurs with the uh, with the Guardians, you know. And, and I don't know if, but you know, things could be different. I'm, um, but the way this organization goes, they are not. I I truly believe it's not an outside person coming in. It's going to be Sarbaugh or Andy Tracy. They'll give Sandy in an, another interview, but I think you and I both know Sandy's not the guy. But I think it, I think it's going to come down to Sarbaugh or, or or AAA manager Andy Tracy. I think to be the next manager. Well, I, they I, love, I, especially I, with these young guys that they have coming up, and Andy Tracy will have managed all of them. You know what I mean? That's why I think he he's going to have a, a legit shot. I think that's a good point by you, and, and people probably don't even know who that is. But you know, managing at, at Columbus and kind of waiting his turn. I, I think if there's one outside name that's out there that they should pursue, and his contract runs through, I think 2024 is Kevin Cash. Uh, he's managing in the you know the trop, the Rays are the Rays, and I know that it's a little engine that could type of situation, and it's kind of similar to us to an extent, but. Kevin Cash has Guardians ties. He has Tito ties. 
Right. And, well, that's and, why I don't and, think he, I, he's necessarily an outside candidate. He's from he's from the Tito tree, so I think here. I think that would be a home run. I think that would be yeah, a home me run, too. and it would be David Blitzer probably having to cut a pretty big check to go along with Paul Dolan. But that wouldn't be until after 2023. And again, could you right. get could you get him out of his contract with a raise, which I believe runs through 2024? You know, they they might say you're not going anywhere. You know, he signed it. Yeah, that's true. But you know, you just you just never know. Um, but just, you know, I just hope that Tito's health continues to be good. And you know, it's been a very polarizing season. I guess you should go. You know, Andre not says this all the time. Twitter is not real life. I always hear him say that on the on his podcast. Uh, Twitter's not real life, and it's true. Twitter's about 10% of, of the people here. Uh, it's just the loudest, and we read all this stuff, So we see, and, and you and I obviously get people tweeting at us, and we see. But this has been a very polarizing season for Tito, which is crazy to me because he has this young team in first place, and he's doing such a good job with them. But the in-game stuff has been... You know, I think you would agree his in-game stuff has been subpar this year. Well, I, I, well, I think there are I think there are times that you scratch your head and say, "Wait a minute, why is Owen Miller playing? Why is Owen Miller playing first? Why is Miles Straw in there every single day? Uh, how could he go to this reliever in this spot? Is he really going to use Brian Shaw in a tie game in Seattle? Is he really? But with this roster, there's so many question marks and. You know, like the straw situation. I mean, last week we got on this show, and Cousin Steve points this out all the time. Uh, we, we we were trashing straw, saying, let's see more of Will Benson. Well, Will Benson's got a really good glove. I mean, he made a great play the other night great in left catch, field yeah. on Saturday in Minnesota. But all of a sudden, Miles Straw looks like he's putting the ball in play and poking it into the outfield, and he looks more confident at the plate. And that's a Tito, hey, I'm going to stick with this guy type of, of situation. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, I think you can question any. I mean, there's 162 games. Of course, you're going to question a lot of things that that come up. But all in all, the youngest team in baseball, players that many of our fans probably have never even heard of, and they're sitting eight games over 500 and two and a half games up on the, the big money White Sox and the, and, the, and the Twins who spent money on, on a guy like Carlos Correa and went out and got Chris Archer and all these guys. I mean, that's pretty good. I think Tito deserves a lot of credit. He's not going to be manager of the year. I mean, Brandon Hyde of the Orioles should be, but um, he'll he'll get some votes. He's done a good job. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, the the bottom line is, he's going to manage here as long as he wants to. <clears throat> That's just the fact. And the people that are anti Tito, I don't understand. You tell me how any other manager in baseball is going to motivate and get these guys to play and stay level headed. And you know, have you uh, other than and he even admitted it when he left Boston. It was in the article. Uh, on the athletics saying that like when he leaves here, it's certainly not going to be the way he left in Boston because, you know, the players kind of, you know, was the, 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 the infamous chicken and beer uh, in the clubhouse routine. And he had a bunch of a-holes with that group. And yeah, I think Josh just Beckett. Got, yeah. Josh Beckett and Papelbon. I mean, he just, had, he had had enough of that shit. And uh, in this situation, he's going to, when he leaves, he will leave amicably and, and everyone will, will, you know, wish him the best. And listen, I, I hope that he can continue on. Uh, and next year he makes that announcement where, 
hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to retire after this year. And he gets a nice farewell send-off. And while I loathe the I'm retiring and, you know, give everyone their, their proper send-off thing, because I, like, I, go, I go back to Coach K and Roy Williams, the difference between Coach K and Roy Williams. After two college basketball seasons ago, about a month after the season, Roy Williams just quietly announced, hey, I'm retiring. And Hubert Davis was hired. And Coach K, at the beginning of the year, told everyone, hey, this is going to be my last season. And then, you know, it and was he got, all he got the rocking time. He got the rocking chair from every you know, road yeah, team. He, yeah, and, and, and it was, to me, extremely self-serving. I don't think Tito is that kind of person, but I think that, you know, what Coach K did was extremely self-serving. I, that's, that's just me. But Tito also, you know, he's – He's a different cat. He doesn't. He doesn't want the credit. He always wants to give the credit to the players and his other coaches. So, you know, we'll 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 see. I just I I believe I'm with you, and I think this is the end at the end of next season. Yeah, but I don't even know if he's going to do a farewell tour. Look, the bottom line is this: the team is playing well. Um, can win the division. This thing is right there for the taking. There's about 24 games to go. A bunch of them with the White Sox. A bunch of them with the Twins. Chicago's playing pretty good baseball. They just took three out of four from the A's, and you know Tony LaRusse is talking like he's not coming back. It's almost like, well, you know, if the if they want me, I don't want to be a distraction. I don't think the White Sox want any part of him in that dugout. Of course they, of course they don't. And let me just say, props to the A's yesterday for taking down Johnny Cueto so badly that in my fantasy semifinal, the ERA category swung in my direction to move me in. 10% capacity into the finals for the second consecutive year. Wow. Congrats. Shouts to the shouts to uh, uh, Eric the Actors, Oakland A's. Yeah, Team D's is like a Cade McNamara's Michigan career. It's over. <laughs> That's De- good. Dead on arrival. <laughs> team D's with a choke job of epic proportions finished 10 and 11, and another team that wins a tiebreaker over me at 10 and 11. Is getting the last wild card spot, so not good, not good. But um, you know, Todd, the offense this week needed a jolt in Minnesota, and they got it from Oscar Gonzalez. You know, Stephen Kwan has just been a model of consistency. Jose looks like he's swinging the bat a little bit better, but OG except over the week, that, except for that horrible at bat in the first inning yesterday. Oh yeah, the strikeout. Yeah, that was oh, bad. That was awful. But Oscar Gonzalez was huge this weekend, man. Huge. You know, I, 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 none of us, none of us had this coming. I mean, let's talk about the fact that they, they were adding prospects left and right to this forty-man roster. Drink, I said forty-man, uh, in the winter because they were worried about losing guys to the uh, uh, Rule Five Draft. Even John Kenzie Noel, who was an A-ball to start the year, was added to the forty-man yeah. roster. Mister Forty-man, you know who wasn't. Oscar Gonzalez. Yeah. And, and and he could have been signed by anyone else, and he chose to stay with us as a minor league free agent. And, and, and now here he is batting in the middle of the order and arguably has been one of the most uh, reasons why this season has been, you know, he's a season saver. Where, where, Think about the – he's basically giving you the production minus the homers that that you expected from from Bill Reyes, right? I mean, without Oscar's emergence, Frondale's probably still on this team, I would imagine. I would think so. And and you look at it and you go, 
<clears throat> Josh Naylor's home run off, off Liam Hendricks to tie the game is the biggest hit of the season. But Oscar's home run Friday night to get us started and to to, to kind of pound some sand and, 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 and put that stamp down that we're here and we're going to have a big weekend, that home run in the first inning the other night was huge. Like, it just was a huge hit. It just kind of got everything rolling all weekend, you know? And that, and that should not that should not be a hit. I know it's a first-inning home run on a Friday game, but still, huge momentum swing and, uh, four, and boost. Four for five Friday night with two homers. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. He's just – he's he really has been great. And, you know, he went on the IL in the middle of the year, and that's when we got to see Nolan Jones and – you know, we've seen we seen Nolan Jones, and he he was, you know, struggled a bit. We've seen Will Benson struggled a bit. We've seen Richie Palacios struggled a bit. You know, each has had their moments, but really, Oscar Gonzalez and Quan have been the two rookies that have been able to, you know, well, Quan started the season with the team, but come up and be productive from the beginning and really not have too much of a, a, a lull. And he's been such an important building block of this team. And uh, I wish he was better defensively. I mean, he's got the big arm, but he takes some interesting routes from time to time in right field, to say the least. But, uh, I mean, I, I think he's put himself in the conversation for a future, uh, you know, corner outfield. Oh, yeah, no, spot. no, he's he's not going anywhere. No, no, but, you know, you got you still got George Valera is going to be a force somewhere in that lineup by next year. Um you know whether that's right field, uh, left field, and you know maybe Quan takes moves over to center, yeah. plays more center of the rotation or whatever they might be. Oh, well, we but. we have a DH spot open, like you said, so you can yeah you can maneuver that. And right now, I mean, you got to figure with all these lefties we're going to see this week against the Angels, Tyler Freeman will probably be DHing some. So, and he didn't even play the entire weekend. I know. <laughs> I didn't, think about I didn't that. Quite get that, especially because. He had a pretty decent week last week um, with the bat. Well, but we but we scored but we scored thirteen runs the first two games against Minnesota. Why why switch that up? You know, you kept most of the same guys in there. Miller played yesterday, and uh, actually he had a nice scoop on that Ahmed diving play. Yes, like what he was, did. What was that play on both ends? Wow. Well, here that's a great transition. That was a miracle. I, here's is a great segue by you. Because one of the topics on our list was how was the defensive woes that have all of a sudden taken over this team. Well, Friday, Friday and happened. Saturday. Oh my God. I, I don't know when it turned, but at one point early in the season, I thought this is going to be a bad defensive team because you know Ahmed's a bad defensive shortstop, and I don't care what anyone else says, he's not a good defensive shortstop. Uh, and and you have you know Andres at second, obviously is a Gold Glover, and Jay Ram does a nice job. But the outfield spots were you know you got Straw is an incredible defender, uh, but but overall the, the amount of mistakes between who, Naylor and and Owen Miller at first base, I, I, I and, and and Ahmed at short, and you know the, the, some of the bad routes in the outfield taken by our uh, you know by Oscar Gonzalez or whoever else might be, but this week. I mean, the amount of added outs, free additional outs that were given was just, oh, it was atrocious. And you, when we've talked about this so many times, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, it's all about run prevention for this team. And when you need your big three starting pitchers to go deep in these games to protect the pen, 
and you're giving extra outs. It's extra pitches too. That's the thing that a lot of, you know, no one ever talks about the extra, you know, you talk about the extra outs. No one talks about the extra pitches it costs your starting pitchers. So it's, it's, it's a concern uh, of mine. And I know it's a concern of yours, but this, 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 uh, this defense has to tighten up. I still don't understand how Owen Miller and Josh Naylor have such a hard time throwing that ball to second base. I mean, yeah, we have I mean, a, I understand why Owen does. He's not a first baseman. Yeah, turning double plays has not been our strong suit, um, for sure. There was that great uh, uh, double play, I think it was Saturday night. Uh, Ahmed got it. He got it to Jimenez, and Andres threw it in the dirt, and Naylor picked it and went nuts. You know, like it was a yes. great pick. But it just, it it's, you know, we don't hold runners very well. Some of our relief pitchers don't even look at first base. Um, 99 yeah. certainly doesn't. Well, I, I'm I, I got all love for James right now. I mean that weekend he was he was pretty darn good. Yesterday it was a little bit of a roller coaster. The other night, Friday night with that uh, Baldelli searching his hair routine, that was just epic. That was his classic Rocco. He's a loser. He is. You know what? You know what? I thought Paul Molitor was the worst tw- when he was managing the Twins. Rocco has has somehow managed to top him with his answer. What about the Paul Molitor gif? Paul Molitor gif with uh, when, when he when uh... with Kurt Suzuki, right? When he's like pointing from the dugout. That was Jose. That was young Jose Ramirez backflip. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was like 2014 or something. That's a great gif. That's a great Paul Molitor gif. That's a great call by you on Molitor. But Paul Delis is he's a tool. He is, and I, he's done a decent job there. He really did a poor job last year with them. This year, he's got so many guys hurt, it's hard to say he's doing a bad job per se. But go, having the umpire check his hair was just classic. It actually ended up working because it rattled him a little bit. But it, it, it did rattle him. But give you know me a break! Give me a break! That was a completely premeditated move. They said before the series, the first time ninety nine comes out there in the key spot, we're doing it. And you know what, though. I'll say this. He does go to his hair and the rosin bag every single pitch. And yeah. they have a real problem next year. Uh, Rick Manning said this on the broadcast yesterday because they came out with these new rules for next year. One of them is the, the pitch clock. I don't know how 99 is going to do it in 20 seconds because he, he takes he 20 seconds he, between his hair yeah. and his uh, and the rosin. He bag. can't grip the ball, so he's got to go sweat, rosin, like a couple times, he's he's so quirky, man. Oh, and then he then yesterday he was just throwing all fastballs. I'm like, will you throw your f- curveball? What are you doing? I wonder if he was warming up and he just had no feel and knew he couldn't get it over. And that's the only explanation I could have because when his curveball is working, and cousin Steve was also texting me, how come he's not throwing his curveball too? I don't understand. Uh, you know that when that curveball comes. From the same angle as his fastball. Yeah, it's, it's unhittable. Like right. Yeah, so I, I didn't know where it was yesterday either. Uh, can we give a shout-out to Sam Hentges? Uh, Minnesota native, came in yesterday and probably saved the game. 2-1 game, runners at first and third, one out. Bieber, you could tell, didn't want to come out. Took him out, brought in Big Sam. That fucker delivered, man. That was awesome. He's been awesome this year. He got the big K and then the ground out immediately. He has been awesome. And, you know... You and I talked two years ago about how he played his stuff plays best as a reliever. And he's really, you know, last year he was starting and relieving, and it was kind of it a, was a mess. It was a mess. It was a mess. I mean, and he's out of options. And we, 
we didn't know in the spring if he was going to make the team. I mean, we figured he would, but you know, you got to remember back in the spring, you and I were like, Ooh, Anthony ghosts, you know, he's going to, he's going to be the guy, the left-hander throwing 99, you know, whatever. Anthony Ghost is a is Anthony Ghost at this point. Well, you know? he's hurt. He's hurt. I mean, he'll be he'll be, hurt, he'll be a part of the team. We, yeah, but when was the last time we talked about him? Right. Oh yeah. No, he's he never done for the year. A key role in this season. No. But no. Big Sam has gotten better and better and better. And Tito, you could tell Tito's trusting him in bigger spots over the last three weeks, especially, and it's been working between uh, uh, Sandlin and Henches. Those two in particular have really. I mean, listen, I, I knew that their plan was 99 and Stefan and Classe, but I don't think that they thought that Sandlin, especially after he struggled at the beginning of the season, and Hengis would be this good in September, you know, by September. And it has just given, I mean, you have five guys you can really count on back there. And that's that's huge. I mean, we, we've talked about this so many times. There is nothing worse or nothing that can derail a season quite like a bad bullpen. Look at the Twins. They just went out over and paid for Jorge Lopez, right? Like, ooh, we got Jorge he, Lopez. He blows. They both stink. <laughs> They've been terrible for them. And they pitch Caleb Theobar every friggin' game. Him and Griffin, Griffin Jacks. <laughs> they pitch every game, those two, because they got no one else they can count on. You remember we, we beat them on a walk-off. I don't remember who hit it, but... Jarrell Cotton was pitching. That was the Andre Jimenez homer, I believe. Wasn't yes. it? Yeah, it was the, yeah. It was the back to, it was that was that week. That one or Naylor, yeah. one of them, yeah. Pagan, Emilio Pagan. I oh mean, yeah. Like our pen is, it, is superior to theirs. Superior. And if they had a good bullpen, I guarantee you the standings would be now, a lot different. I would take Dur- I would take Duran. That guy's a beast. He's the only guy that they can count on out there. I mean he's he's a beast. He really is. Yep. He, remind, he reminds me of Wayne Simeon in the post. I don't know hey, why I Doug said that. Diesel. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. But um, hey, before we get to, let's talk. What, what about uh, Verstappen? Should we talk about him? <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about the? What about? What about? First of all, another big win for Max at, at Monza. But you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a little. Ups, I'm a little upset. I don't like ending the race on the yellow flag. I, uh, the safety car. Right. Don't like it. So yesterday. So as part of the text thread with the executive producer, I made a promise that I would check out some F1 yesterday morning. And lo and behold, about ten o'clock, Todd's like, "Turn on ESPN 2 I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." And I got a full hour in. I watched the whole thing. I watched that stupid ceremony at the end and the champagne. And... That's the podium? Come on. The, the podium ceremony is great. What are you talking about? No, the, no the, the, the podium ceremony where they do the pictures and the flags and the anthems is cool. When they say champagne. the interviews look like something out of, out, of, out of Orange High School TV. Like the interviews at the end, like the, the guys are like standing far away against some wall where they're doing the – whatever. Yeah. But well, it was that's, that's like COVID protocols. It was, but, yeah. it, but it was it was pretty cool. I, I did uh, I did get involved with that uh, yesterday and before I, before the Lions and I, game. And I gave you a nice rundown of of yeah, I, I was you did a nice quick explanation for you. It was good. and then the executive producer, Mister Track, as I'm Mister Forty Man. Executive producer's Mister Track. Here, <sighs> here's a good executive producer story for those who don't know. Oh God. Yeah. So two weeks ago, or last week. The Sunday game where it rained and it, you know, was four innings and then like restarted at nine o'clock at night. The Seattle whatever. game, yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I get a tweet from my from my boy Butcher and he says, 
the guy in front of you, the guy sitting in front of me is, is literally texting you right now or something like that. I'm like, what? I was like, and then I said, oh, it's, it's the executive producer. I said, is he with a girl? And he said, or I said, is he, he's with his daughter. And he said, I don't think it's him because I think he's with his wife or his girlfriend. Kelly, it was him and he was with his daughter. So now we got the running joke about uh, the his, executive his date. His side yes, piece. yes. <laughs> side piece. Let's, let's just leave it there. Um, where am I going That's here? Tough. Where am I going? <laughs> wow, we you are want to all... talk some more F1? No, I'm you done. Want to talk about Daniel Ricardo? <laughs> <laughs> Danny Rick? <laughs> uh, no, I'm done. What's the guy, Charles, but they call him Charles? Charlie Clark? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's spelled Charles Leclerc. I'll take, Charles I'll take that announcer, whoever was calling the race yesterday over Matt Underwood. Crofty? That guy's got a great voice. Ooh, he's Crofty's the man. Are you kidding me? What about uh, Martin Brindle? Okay. Uh, BreakingT.com slash Dairy, D-E-R-Y. You go there right now to get yourself some gear for this big home stand. Get yourself the Guardiac Kids t-shirt, the Rame- Jose Ramirez stuff, Andre Semenez, Josh Naylor. They've got it all at BreakingT.com slash Dairy. Why am I not been getting email alerts on more sales? Let's go, people. BreakingT.com slash D-E-R-Y takes you right to the Cleveland Collection. The Browns, yes, the streak is over. Hey, do they got a Gabe York t-shirt? They, they, they Cade, should. Cade, Cade York. Sorry. They should. Gabe, yeah. Gabe York was a college basketball player. Arizona. Um, yeah. Nick Chubb and G-Leaguer. Nick Chubb uh, t-shirt right now. Get it at BreakingT.com slash Dairy. The Cleveland Spidas, S-P-I-D-A-S, in honor of Donovan Mitchell, 2022. Get that as well at Breaking T. So you get Browns, Cavs, Guardians, whatever you need at Breaking T. Um, all right. So should we get you out of here with pitching matchups? What, what, what games are you going uh, yes, to this week? So three uh, against the Angels, then four, oh, uh, Thursday afternoon against the White Sox, and then five against the Twins. Man, this is I nuts. Big week. Big week. No trips to Idaho? Huge ass beers. I got I, I got a huge ass week of Guardians baseball. No, uh, thank God work travel is now over. So I that was a that was a miserable stretch right there. I'm just happy to not be doing that anymore. Uh, I will be there Tuesday night with the great Arvin, and then Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, Friday night, and Saturday afternoon. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll be there. That's crazy. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what I had, you know what happened? There were so many games that, you know, I was out of town for that Baltimore series. I traded in and then I kept looking up and I'm like, you know what? That twin series is going to be so massive. I had the tickets for Friday. The Saturday afternoon game was perfect because it was a makeup. So I traded in for that. Uh, And uh, I was already going. uh, Oh, and then I, and then I had the rain out, which turned into the Thursday afternoon game. And you know who am I to miss a, a uh, Thursday afternoon? You gotta Guardians, be there. You gotta be. Game. Yeah, you gotta be. come on, that's a big game, man. All right, so tonight, six uh, ten. So we got two six ten games Monday and Tuesday. The Angels are in town. Uh, Mike Trout. Uh, does he still have his home run streak going, or did it get I snapped yesterday? Had, it must have been yesterday. I'll have to look while you're talking. I think it's I snapped. He but six he, in a row. He, he's on fire. Yesterday. So it's Otani Trout, and then just trash. Um, 
But Connor Pilkington will pitch tonight against Reed Detmers, who allowed only one hit against us back in April. That's a lefty. Uh, Trout was given the day off. So so the streak continues. All right, so we got to end that. Ozzy, the streak continues. (laughs) Yeah, they used to throw him that screen pass (laughs) for no gain and then get the standing ovation. Uh, Cody Morris, uh, you matter. Cody Morris on Tuesday (laughs) against Jose Suarez, another lefty. And then Wednesday afternoon, Patrick Sandoval, who's really good. Uh, He beat us. He he, he beat us. Oh, yeah. If memory serves me correctly, I don't think we scored off of him. No, no, he's good. Against Cal Quantrill on Wednesday afternoon. Now, they've listed it at to be determined, but it's Quantrill's spot in the rotation. Do they wait and have Cal pitch against Chicago and then McKenzie against Minnesota? Who knows? But right now, that's how it would line up. Thursday afternoon, makeup game with the White Sox. Tristan McKenzie against Lucas Giolito, who always seems to have our number. Although the last time we, we rocked him pretty good. Yeah, we handled him pretty well. Yeah. That was the last time. Uh, Friday, Shane Bieber against uh, Josh Winder, who pitched yesterday. Yesterday. For the yeah. Twins. And then Saturday afternoon, likely Pilkington uh, to be determined for uh, both pitchers, both, both pitchers for Minnesota on Saturday because. Archer's hurt now. Joe Ryan would pitch Sunday against Cody Morris. So it's kind of all up in the air. And then Sonny Gray and Quantra would be next Monday. So I got to believe that Xavier Curry is going to start one of the uh, on Saturday because he's been the guy. He's gotten two starts. You're not going to bring up Hunter Gaddis with, with the doubleheader and going with Cody Morris and Pilkington. You probably are going to need McCarty to pitch in one of those two games, if not both. So I, I got to believe it's going to be Curry, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I would think so. But that Saturday, you're talking about Pilkington and Curry in two games against Minnesota, having to pitch those two guys. You don't even have any kind of definite because you've already burned through Quantrill, McKenzie, and Bieber. Unless, again, they push them, some things around. I don't know what they're, you know, would they pitch Curry against the Angels? It's it's something to think about. It's actually not a bad idea. I, I like where your head's at. By the way, I just looked it up. Patrick Sandoval in April. Seven innings of shutout baseball, two hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. I believe is he is ERA. I think he's top five ERA in the league. I think his ERA is like below three. So he is a two point nine eight ERA. Yeah, see, he's good. He's good. He's good. And he's <laughs> they're good. We're not we're not sure about uh, you know the bats. I mean, still they're still yeah, better this weekend. But again, coming home, I, I almost like us better on the road. I do too. I'll tell you another thing that I'm interested in seeing, and then I gotta go. How many people are gonna show up to these games this week? Yeah, nine game homestand. Nine game homestand, and this team's in first place. And I know Sunday is they're playing at the same time as the Clowns, so who who knows what will happen? But you know who's gonna show up for that one? But you know, is that a home game? Is that a home game for the uh, Browns? Yeah, it's the home opener. It's the home opener on Sunday against the Jets. Oh, that's right. Jets looked good yesterday. GMT, baby. Should we break that down? How about them Lions? <laughs> That's about what I expected. How was Rod- how'd Rodrigo play? That's all I care He about. was fine. He actually was decent, but uh, that was about what I expected. Nice backdoor cover. Well, you'll take it. Anyway. Well, who knows? All right. Looking forward to Locked on Lions after this podcast. Uh, Dairy Brothers Guardians cast brought to you by the Center for Advanced Dentistry, CFAD.net. Dr. Ben Hornstein, check him out. And, of course, we're on the Evergreen Podcast Network, Breaking Tea as well. We are out of room and out of here. 
The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. 